And then there were two as we are down to the NBA Finals as the Warriors and the Cavs face off for round two. Round one was last season and the Warriors won that one. Who will win this one? We will jump in and discuss all of that, plus talk a little college football. That and a whole lot more coming up on this episode of the Stingray and Tuck Show. So sit back, relax, and enjoy as we get you in-depth ready for the NBA Finals. Good Wednesday afternoon to you, everybody. I'm Stingray here and uh, with my co-host here, Landon Tucker. And real quick, we want to apologize for putting the show out a day late, but with Memorial Day uh, scheduling and everything, uh, that's the reason why we are a day late putting it out. We usually put it out on Tuesdays, but of course today is Wednesday. And I want to start off the show by asking Landon, how was your holiday weekend? I'll tell you what, Stingray. I spent my time getting sunburned uh, on a lake. What about you, man? Oh, yeah, man. It was uh, – I don't know about sunburned. I pretty much <laughs> stayed in. in and uh, Did you happen to catch the uh, Game 7 of the Western Conference Finals? Yeah, pretty, pretty outstanding um, overall. Really one of those things where you felt like even though the Thunder were in the lead – it felt like the Warriors were going to come back the whole time. I don't know what it was. It was a really weird game, really a great end to a historic series. Absolutely. And, you know, personally, I thought that, uh, you know, Stephen A. Smith, uh, the ESPN guy, talking about uh, game six, he said that Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant completely were choke artists when they had – Game six at home, and all they had to do was win to eliminate the best overall team in the NBA. Your thoughts about game six, especially the collapse of the Thunder? Yeah, you know, listen, with with that, game six is, uh, a lot of people were calling it the best NBA or the best basketball game that has been played in this year so far in 2016. I mean, I wouldn't go, I mean, I'd probably go that far. I mean, it, it was an incredible game. Back and forth. Clay had a historic night. and uh, 41 points. 41 points. And and here's the thing. It's not like the Thunder just laid down and quit. It, it, was, it just seemed to me like the Thunder kept doing their thing, but Clay decided, hey, look, tonight's going to be a historic night, and there's nothing you can do to prepare for historic. So uh, the Thunder had a great, great series overall. They led them. But all, overall, the Warriors are too strong. And now we get to get ready for uh, the NBA Finals, which is going to be Really, really glorious overall. Uh, I know for certain I'm going to be looking forward to seeing LeBron and company face the Warriors. Absolutely, and let's let's talk about that here in just a second. I, I want to talk about the um, the Kevin Durant situation here now because the season's over for them, and they have uh, he has a, a a real interesting road ahead because he can either stay with the Thunder or leave the Thunder. And I'm fixing to throw some numbers at you here. Now, now follow me here. If he stays with the Thunder, his max contract for five years would be $149 million. If he were to leave the Thunder and go elsewhere, he could get a four-year deal worth $111 million. So you're looking at either $149 or $111 million. I don't know about you, but I would stay in OKC. 
Yeah, you know, okay, so he would be good. And I know you were kind of mentioning some stuff about it. If he did like a LeBron James mm-hmm. uh, sign a one year deal, then I believe that country would be over $200 million next yes. after next year. So Durant has an interesting thing. But here's, here's what's going to be very interesting, Stephen, is Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, and really other teammates at the end of that series last night were jabbing back and forth, really just frustrated with one another. And really, Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant, people have asked the question when is that time bomb going to explode? because they both love to shoot a, a really large amount of times. Uh, and so we're going to see maybe if it, it did completely overload and Durant will go somewhere else. Yep. And uh, also other news, and w- real quick before we jump into other topics, later in this show we're going to have a segment basically on the NBA Finals of Landon and myself breaking it down and, of course, giving you our predictions. So we're moving all- away from that right now to talk a little college football. And there's some big news last week, and especially over the weekend, as the details uh, came forth about the Art Bryles at Baylor being fired after the uh, uh, alleged rape, sexual assault uh, allegations out there. And, you know, with Art Bryles being gone now, that just completely changes the landscape of the Big 12 um, how do you see, first off, what are your thoughts about the Art Brawl situation, and how does that affect Baylor going forward? Well, first off, look, you cannot live in a town uh, like Waco, Texas, be the big football coach, and just not know what's going on. I, I, I don't really buy that. Um, and so I think Baylor did the right thing. They, they let go uh, of people who might have known information. Uh, that's what you have to do. Uh, okay, f- football is a game, and that's and it's great, and obviously it earns a very large revenue uh, for the university and for people surrounding it. But it's just a game, and so um, uh, you know Baylor really realized that. Look, it's giving them a really bad name for keeping these folks around, uh, and so let them go. I think I think it is really uh, the best uh, thing that could have happened for the program, Stephen. I completely agree, and we also need to really quickly mention that uh, they have all Baylor has recently added a brand new interim head coach and if you will remember uh, Jim Grobe which took Wake Forest in 2007 to their first Orange Bowl appearance so that's a a very good uh, addition but you know he is more of a pro style coach so now you have the conflict of the spread you out wild, you know, high scoring offense versus a coach who is more pro style like Alabama, that could be problematic moving forward in 2016. Yeah, that's going to be very interesting, especially with the Big 12. Uh, the Big 12 is so uh, kind of like you said, spread you out, uh, throw five wide receivers out there and bubble screen you to death. Uh, and so that's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out, Stephen. And um, especially. Uh, with them, everybody saying, you know, Baylor could contend for the Big 12. Well, now, I don't know about you, but now I'm throwing that completely off the table now. Yeah, this kind of thing, whenever this happens to teams, um, this is going to knock them off the map for quite some time. Uh, it's going to affect recruiting. It's going to affect a few different things. And so I think Baylor fans should probably go ahead and get ready for that. And I've got one more question for you now because a lot of people were asking – after this situation of Art Briles covering up or, or allegedly trying to cover up, if you were an AD, would you throw morals and ethics all out the door 
to rehire him to be a college football coach. Now, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't do it. No, no. Absolutely not. No, not at all because, you know, it's going to speak volumes about your program if you do. Uh, so, yeah, I don't think that would be the best way to go about it. I don't think touching it with a 10-foot pole. Now, I do think someone somewhere, it might not be this year, it might be a few years down the road, kind of like Bobby Petrino situation. It might be two to three years, maybe four years down the road. Um, he'll probably get picked up back up again by somebody. You know, the, at the, as they say, this will blow over sort of deal. Well, maybe the next few years someone will end up uh, hiring him. But you never know. This could have really ended his career. I mean, I mean, because I mean, it's hard to cover up that. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of ending careers, um, <laughs> we're kind of segue into Johnny Manziel, uh, who has been uh, reported missing. Um, and, and you know, this is really just the latest in what has been a really terrible. Uh, I don't know, year and a half. I mean, really, I don't know what to say. A career, career <laughs> really. The latest in the terrible career of Johnny Menzel. What did you? What have you made out of this news, Stephen? Uh, same old stuff, different day, man. I mean, just same old Johnny Menzel going out and doing his thing. Uh, you know, his agent fired him uh, a couple months ago, and you know that just continues to get worse, worse, and worse for him. And I, you know, I don't know. I don't see a light at the end of the tunnel for him. I, I really don't. Uh, I mean, maybe a team will pick him up, but who knows? Yeah, obviously we wish the best for him, but you have to you have to want to help yourself to be helped. I'm yes. a big believer in that. Um, Texas A&M won the SEC baseball tournament. Uh, Mississippi State won, uh, it gets a national tournament seed uh, for the college baseball uh, the college baseball tournament. Um, and they are number six in the in in the state overall. Yep. Yes, yes. And uh, Texas A and M, who won the SEC baseball, is number four. And of course, Florida has got the number one overall seed. Yeah, and SEC is just so loaded; it's unbelievable, and, and it's it's really great. This SEC tournament was really fun to watch because you you literally on any given day you're watching teams. Uh, you know, outside of the Kentucky and Alabama, uh, you were watching teams that really could win that tournament. So it was really, really interesting, Stephen. Absolutely. And I don't know if he called any of the uh, other tournament games, but the championship game in the ACC, I remember texting you about it. I think it was Sunday. Um, yeah, that's right. It was It was Sunday. Uh, it was Clemson versus Florida State. And Clemson – Led before the fifth inning, eighteen to five. Gosh, how do you do that, man? I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, I don't know. I guess the bats got very hot for. Uh, I guess the bats got very hot for Clemson. Clemson. And um, as a matter of fact, that it was actually it was a little bit of drama in that game because when I turned it off because they went into a weather delay, uh, it was eighteen thirteen in the eighth. So I don't know who won, but it got really interesting. Wow! Wow! Um, and then going uh, going into basketball, Mike D'Antoni uh, is hired as the Houston Rockets head coach. Uh, D'Antoni formerly has coached the Knicks and the Lakers. His most successful stint in the NBA was whenever he coached the Phoenix Suns and With Steve the Nash. Nash yeah. yeah, that was a pretty awesome team. Joe Johnson, Steve Nash, Rajah Bell, Mark Stoudemire. Yep, great team. Uh, and so that's going to be very interesting. Uh, he's going to be very scrutinized because he's not a very good defensive coach. It kind of goes along with his tag. Um, kind of works out, though, because the Rockets, not a very good team. So <laughs> not a very good defensive team. So uh, they, I guess they'll kind of mesh well together. And we will talk with Matt Tynan about that later on. 
uh, and a bunch of other things too. And real quick, I want to—I do want to correct myself or add to uh, when I was talking about the ACC championship game uh, for uh, Clemson and Florida State. Clemson did wind up wind up winning that game. 18 to 13. That's a lot of runs. That is a lot of runs combined. Probably a very fun NBA game, or pardon me, a very fun college baseball game, though. And overall, and you know, yesterday we had some breaking news. Um, unexpected, man. What did you think about Fern Lundquist stepping down after his long tenure with CBS after the 2016 year? Well, a lot of fans are very excited about this because he calls people the wrong name and all. But let me let me give you this. If there's any man or any per, any man or woman, whatever, who reaches CBS and can and can broadcast a a prime time game on CBS, they are not a scrub. They are not a person who is not good at their job. Uh, that that is an elite talent to reach that level. And so um, people obviously picked on him a lot, but those are also the same people who sit around and watch the same team every single week, and they know the players uh, to where commentators obviously do different games. Uh, but they have a lot of stuff going on at once. So I, I feel like people should cut Vern, Vern a little bit of slack. Uh, but Brad Nessler is going to be the guy who is replacing Vern, which, I mean, everybody loves Brad Nessler. It's, it's, yes. it's going to be great. Um, so for all those people who are not big fans of Vern, only one more year of him and Gary, um, and it should be a great college football season. But now if you do like Vern, uh, for those who are a select few, I, I personally like Vern. He will still be calling the college basketball games for CBS, so he's not leaving the company per se. He's just leaving the forefront of college football, and especially the SEC. Uh, CBS usually does do the uh, the Sun Bowl in December. I, I think it's usually like on December 31st. Mm-hmm. Brad Nestler will officially take over for Vern during that game this year. And, you know, Landon, speaking of ESPN, or commentators, I should say, uh, ESPN just announced that Chris Berman of the NFL will retire after this season. That's on top of leave, uh, of losing Colin Cowherd. That's on top of losing uh, Brad Nessler and Mike Tirico. What are your thoughts about ESPN losing all of these talents? Yeah, you know, and also Skip Bayless. Don't forget about Skip Bayless is a is a huge driving force for ESPN with First Take. Um, you know, a lot of people are going to Fox that are, like, leaving ESPN. And, you know, it, it is interesting. ESPN is something I think a lot of people, uh, really in my generation, kind of grew up watching. You know, obviously the top ten plays of the week and, and uh, you know, top ten plays of the day. And, and they just – they're a great company and all. Um, but it's going to be very interesting to see what happens now. Chris Berman is legendary – um, and, and a few different reports have alleged that Chris Berman was being forced into retirement by ESPN, which doesn't really make a lot of sense to me uh, because if they're already losing so much talent, why would you want to lose one of the best ever in Chris Berman? Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, and plus, you know, like I said, Mike Tirico's leaving, Brad Nestler. I mean, who are they going to who, who are they going to replace him with? Uh, Danny Cannell and. Uh... Uh, Joey Galloway. I mean, are you kidding me? Come on, young young talent. I guess young unproven talent. Maybe I, they might give you a call, Sting. Right? Uh, hey, let's hope. <laughs> uh, crossing my fingers, man. All right, well, we're going to take a short break. On that note, and when we come back, we are going to uh, get into a little bit of NBA discussion and also talk to Will Lockamy 
coming up here a little bit later on. You're listening to the Stingray and Tuck Show. Hey guys, this is Stingray, host of the Stingray and Tuck Show here to tell you about Oz Music in Tuscaloosa. They have new and used CDs, DVDs, LPs, posters, and quick special orders with a 10% discount. You can contact Oz Music at 758-1222. Once again, that's 758-1222. Oz Music, support your local record store. Oz Music is located in the Parkview Shopping Center behind Flowers Bakery in Tuscaloosa. Check them out. Welcome back in to the Stingray and Tuck Show. And on the Stingray and Tuck Show line, we have our NBA correspondent, Matthew Tynan. Matt, how's it going, man? I'm good, man. How you guys doing? Man, we are pretty wonderful. Had some had a really interesting Western Conference Finals, and uh, we are ready to jump <laughs> <Yeah>. into it. <laughs> um, Matt, so kind of kind of starting off. You know, since the series ended the way it did, obviously the Thunder go up 3-1. Uh, and then the Warriors, in, in really a historic series, come back and win in Game 7. Um, but it seems like during the end of that game in Game 7, you know, what, what were you seeing? Were you seeing the Thunder kind of feud back and forth? And if so, is Kevin Durant going to leave the Thunder, or do you think he's going to stick around? Oh, I mean, I think that toward the end of that game, I think the the expressions and the and and the like, you know, what you saw at the end of that game was probably just frustration that they gave up a a, a great lead. I mean, being up three one on the defending champs is exactly where you want to be. Um, so I think it was probably frustration. Uh, it, it it's understandable for anyone to to look or feel that way in that situation. I personally, uh, I do not think that he's going to leave. I think he's going to stay. He has, um, he has, he has incentive to stay. He has uh, financial incentive to stay. Um, I think that the way we're looking at it right now, Russell Westbrook has one more year left on his contract. Uh, Durant probably will do one of these uh, LeBron James-esque sort of one-and-one contracts where he gets one year and then a player option going into the next year because the salary cap is blowing up right now. So his agent is obviously going to uh, force him in that direction so he can make as much money as possible. Um, would it would it shock me if he left and went somewhere else for a better opportunity? No. Uh, but I don't know how many I don't know how many better opportunities there are out there. I mean, that team is pretty good. <laughs> they were uh, they were a win away, a game away from the NBA Finals, and I, and I know it's been a frustrating run for them. I know it's been uh, a, a sort of a difficult road, considering the the losses they've had, and, and not just that, but the injuries. Uh, they've been right there, um, and he and he knows this team well. He knows this city well. He sort of came up as a pro in this city. I, I will be. I would be surprised if he left. If I had to put my money on it, I, I think that he's going to stay in Oklahoma City. Right, and staying with that, uh, Matt, we you know the Thunder were up three to one at one point. Did the Thunder give that game, give the series away, or did the Warriors take it from them? Uh, I know this has been a, a big discussion point, uh, and you know, sort of in, in sports 
talk radio over the last few days, and it's, it's an interesting one. Um, I'm, I'm not usually interested in that sort of stuff, but uh, Oklahoma City had a really, really good chance to close that thing out in game six in Oklahoma City. Uh, they had every chance in the world to, to close out one of the best regular season teams, at least, one of the best teams we've ever seen, uh, the 73-win Warriors. I mean, they, they had every chance to do so, and they failed to do it. I think that if you, if you want to look at the, you know, at, at the question of did the Warriors you know, choke or did the or I'm sorry, I'm sorry, did the Thunder choke or did the Warriors take it from them? I think the, the, the one area it's sort of fair to ask that question would be in game six, be at the end of game six, because, um, yes, Clay Thompson went crazy. Uh, you have to give credit to the Warriors. I think that if you look at, if you look at the situation and you say the Thunder choked, then you're sort of discrediting what, what the Warriors did to come back. I mean, they were, they, uh, were unbelievable uh, in, in the times that it mattered most. So I think it's a really, I think it's a really interesting question, and and, and really it's a difficult one to answer. Um, yeah. I think that you can you can look at Game Six and say there is a stretch there where hey Oklahoma City you had this chance you had the ability to close this thing out and you didn't uh, you made a lot of mistakes you turned the ball over a lot so I think there's a stretch especially in Game Six where you can sort of uh, put some blame on Oklahoma City. But, man, I, I mean, you look at the stretches of these games where, where the Warriors just sort of take over and, and um, hit these unbelievable shots, and you have to give them credit. And I think that whenever we sort of parse the, the argument or the conversation in terms of, like, did the Thunder choke or did the Warriors take it from them, you have to be impressed by the way the Warriors kind of took it from them. Uh, they're... There's a reason they won 73 games, and, and there were a lot of games during the regular season uh, where where they came back late. They they beat teams that had leads on them late in the game. Yeah. So, um, I personally I choose to I choose to give credit to the Warriors rather than uh, sort of attack the Thunder for their blunders in the in those late game situations. And yeah, so and kind of kind of going on into the next question with. Now that we have the final set, now that we have the Cavaliers-Warriors rematch, um, both teams are pretty healthy. I mean, obviously Steph's got some issues going on, but really doesn't appear to be that banged up. Um, with both teams pretty healthy and a rematch going on, who is going to win this series, Matt, and, and in how many games? What is, what is the Matt Tynan inside prediction? When you're when you're talking about uh, when you're talking about this at this point of the season, um, yeah, you know, Steph had his injuries earlier, and, and there was this big conversation earlier in the series when the Thunder were winning, you know, up three-one. That had, you know, Steph Curry looks hurt; he's not the same guy. Man, let's throw that out the window. He's he is. Look, maybe he's banged up a little bit. Maybe he's not a hundred percent. But this is kind of what the NBA playoffs are. You're not going to be 100% at this point of the season. Like, I mean, these two teams look to me at least uh, as healthy as you can as you can really ask for at this point of the season. So yeah, I mean these these guys are these guys are healthy. 
Um, I think that it's going to be uh, – I, I think the Warriors are going to win the series. Um, I think it'll be – oh, I don't think it's going to go seven. I think that, that Golden State is just better. Um, it's going to be interesting because uh, – Obviously, we didn't get the chance to see Kevin Love and uh, Kyrie Irving in the finals last year. Well, we saw Kyrie Irving for uh, a, a little bit in the finals last year, but yeah. it was uh, it was brief. Uh, so this is a this is a full strength uh, Cleveland team uh, going against a basically full strength Warriors team. But the Warriors are just better, and they're and they're better than they were last year. So. Um, I actually, you know, I don't know, I don't know how to do the whole, you know, you, you get a lot of, you get a lot of randomness in, in series like this. Like, you know, look at the, I mean, look at the Thunder series. They won three games, <laughs> but uh, I don't think, I, and I don't see Cleveland winning three games or, or maybe even, maybe not even two in this series. I think it's going to be five or six games. Uh, Golden State is going to win. They're the better team. They're facing a team that is not, in my opinion at least, is not as good uh, as the team they just faced. It's not as good as Oklahoma City. I think that Oklahoma City has so much size and length and athleticism. Um, Cleveland is deep, and they have guys that can, that can really affect you, uh, but not in the same way, not in the same way that Oklahoma City has. So, um, I think this is this, this is going to be, I'll say six games. I'll say Golden State and six. All right, staying in the Western Conference, um, there, Matt. Uh, the Rockets hired Mark Dan- Mike D'Antoni uh, last huh. week. What did you think about that hire? Well, uh, I. I, I I hate to say this because I actually really like the guy. I've, I've had, uh, personally speaking, I had some nice interactions with the guy, but I, I, I think the Mike D'Antoni ship has sailed. Um, I'm, uh, he was sort of a, he was a visionary in his time when he was with the Suns. He was sort of, he was a guy that, um, that was sort of transforming the way basketball was played. And I think that that there's a lot of importance there. I think that he he's owed um, a lot of respect in that capacity. Uh, but basketball has basically morphed into what the the Phoenix Suns were at that point. I mean, we're we're as we look around the NBA right now. Uh, I mean, look if you look back on the Phoenix Suns and you say you put them on a court today. Like, would you be surprised by the way they play basketball? No, no. because, I mean, he introduced sort of that style. I mean, hell, Greg Popovich said that he has he stole uh, ideas from Mike D'Antoni. He he stole concepts from Mike D'Antoni going into those um, uh, to those Spurs runs when they morphed from a more defensive team to an offensive team. Um, so, Mike is a visionary. He was a visionary. He was is incredibly important to what the NBA has become today. But now we just kind of, it, it feels like that concept uh, is sort of just normal now. And, and he's not, uh, he's not revolutionizing anything at this point. He's not a great defensive coach. He's going to need, really, really going to need 
uh, defensive help from his assistant coaches. Um, so it's, it's interesting. He has a guy in James Harden who's super talented uh, and is capable of distributing the ball uh, in, a, in a similar, you know, offense that he ran in Phoenix. Like, James Harden is a guy that can really play that sort of role. So it's going to be interesting to see what he does with him. Does it, uh, does it hurt? See what he does with the, with the other athletes on that team. But I'm, I'm underwhelmed. I'm, I live across the street from the Toyota Center, so I'm, I'm excited because uh, I'm going to get to cover some Mike D'Antoni games, and there's going to be a lot of attention uh, on the on the Rockets. But at the same time, I'm just kind of underwhelmed with, with the decision. Yeah, does it hurt? You know, obviously Harden is always talked about for not having uh, having really zero defense. And Mike D'Antoni, a lot of people say you can take that D out of his name because there's the D's non-existent. Does Mike D'Antoni? <laughs> Mike D'Antoni. Uh, do you think that is kind of double trouble for their defense now? And and I want to be clear. I think that the the Phoenix Suns defense back in the day was uh, underrated. They were sort of in the middle of the pack. They weren't terrible. They were they were just sort of normal. Like basically, if you want to look at it in this aspect, um, they were sort of like what the Thunder were this year defensively. Like they were sort of middle of the pack. They had guys that could play defense. Um, I don't know. I, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to watch because. That, that roster has guys that on the surface or on paper are, you know, pretty good defenders or at least guys capable of playing good defense. And even go back a year, like, you know, whenever James Harden was criticized for his defense uh, two years ago, he came back and was a really solid defender. This past year was ugly. Uh, whatever happened with the Rockets this year, uh, this past year was really ugly, but before that, he he was a serviceable defender. He was um, just he didn't it didn't really fit the description of what it, you know what previously existed. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I don't think uh, I don't think it's a great I don't think it's a great fit. I think they need somebody who's a better disciplinarian, uh, someone who is more capable of coaching defense. Um, I, I just. I think they might be reaching for something that that might be more exciting, or trying to trying to move them in a different direction. I don't know, but uh, if I if I would have been looking for a Rockets coach, I would have been looking for someone who uh, was more of a disciplinarian and was uh, more looking to coach defense. And that's that's not that's not Mike D'Antoni. Yeah. So this is going to be interesting. Uh, it'll it'll be it'll be fun. Uh, but I don't know how productive it's going to be. You know, you are NBA correspondent, but you're out there in Texas. What are your thoughts about the recent situation out at Baylor and the firing of Art Bryles? And where do you see the Baylor program going in 2016 without their coach? Well, I mean, this and this is a, I mean, this is a heavy. Uh, topic and I'm and I'm from Texas. I went to Texas Tech. I'm I'm uh, I've been around the Big Twelve uh, for a lot of my life. Um, it, it it really is a heavy situation. I uh, at first, whenever they let go of Bryles, I was a, I was a little bit shocked. I, I, like I could not believe that they actually went through with it. Um, I thought and and felt. That it was a step in the right direction because there's no there's no excuse for 
you know, covering up uh, rape and um, and uh, I mean, honestly, like I'm I'm not qualified in this situation. I'm not connected uh, in terms of reporting when it comes to this sort of stuff. But um, the things that they covered up at that university were appalling to me. Uh, I. I think that there was a that getting rid of Riles was a decent step, and at first, whenever I saw it, I was like, "Okay, I can't believe they did that." Like they're they're actually uh, they're actually going <laughs> going through with this. I, I feel like what happened at Baylor is is sort of an institutional problem. Um, I know that Riles has been let go; he was fired, and I feel like that's a problem uh, beyond just. Uh, beyond just that, I, I feel like he, he was almost made a scapegoat. And I'm not and I'm not criticizing Baylor for letting Bryles go. I think it's the right decision. I, I feel like he probably should have been let go of his duties. Uh, but when you look around that team and you look around that school and you look at uh, Starr and, uh, and McCaw and, and the rest of these guys, they were basically, their jobs were changed. They weren't let go, uh, and and I think that's a problem. There's there's a lot more going on at that school, and it feels like they tried to let Bryles go, um, or, or they they're they're um, the reason they let Bryles go was to make a statement, and I don't think that they're they're actually actively trying to fix a problem uh, that is obvious at Baylor. And maybe, look, maybe we're going forward and without Bryles that maybe things clear up. Maybe uh, maybe there are uh, fewer problems on that campus when it comes to this stuff, this really poisonous stuff. Um, but at the same time, uh, I, I think I almost look at it like, and I don't even want to say it like this because I don't want to, I don't want to give a lot of credit to Bryles because I don't want to say he's a scapegoat, I think that he kind of fell on the sword. Um, I think there, I think the, the problems run a lot deeper than just Riles. I think a lot of people needed to be let go, and Baylor did not fix that problem completely. I think that by firing Riles, they made headlines. It was all over ESPN. It was, hey, look, Baylor took a stand. They, 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 uh, uh, you know, this is going to make the difference when I'm not sure that's the case. Um, who knows? I mean, maybe maybe Bryles was more poisonous than we all think he was, or um, maybe it sort of started and ended with him. Um, I'm not sure that's the case. I really don't believe that's the case. I think it's institutional. I think it. I think that there's a. I think there's a lot more to this than just Art Bryles. Um, so I think that part of it frustrates me. Um, my first reaction was that good for them. I mean, it's maybe a couple of years too late, but they actually took a step forward to fire Art Bryles, and that's a big that's a big step because Baylor, as both of you know, uh, not a successful football program no. at all until Art Bryles got there. So it's a big uh, a big step for them. But I, I feel almost like. Uh, he fell on the sword like he was a scapegoat uh, for them. And I think that there is a, a, a deeper-rooted problem
problem at Baylor that hasn't necessarily yet been addressed. And I think we're going to maybe find out more going forward uh, if, if more details come out with the Pepper Hamilton report. Um, but honestly, it's bad for Baylor. It's really bad. I mean, look at the look at all the and, and this this is inconsequential when it, when it, when comparing it to uh, the fact that young women were raped and uh, this stuff was covered up by uh, the police, by the coaching staff, uh, by administration. Uh, but they're they're losing commits left and right. I mean, this is this is a, this is a really big problem, and um, I know some people are calling for the death penalty. And to be quite honest, like I don't think that's unreasonable. Uh, this is this is a very ugly situation, and I I hope that it gets solved. I hope that these that these young women um, who were uh, who were harassed, who were raped, who were subject to all of this, I hope they get their justice, and I hope they I hope they sleep well at night. I mean, it was really ugly if you go back through the report and see everything that happened. So I don't know. I don't know if uh, if the firing of Art Bryles was um, it, it, it certainly had to happen, but I don't think that Baylor I don't think Baylor did enough. I think that a lot of what they did was a PR spin. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens going forward because I think there needs to continue to be pressure on that uh, athletic department sure. uh, to, to to figure out what the hell was going on there. I mean, it's it's ugly. So, uh, yeah, I, I kind of went on a diatribe there, but it's it's an, <laughs> it's an ugly situation. I think Art Bryles being fired, um, and, you know, maybe it's a start of it or, or a start to the solution, but there's a lot more that needs to be done, especially not just in Baylor, but in college football, uh, in college sports over uh, across the country. You know, I don't I don't think that. I don't think all colleges are like Baylor. Uh, I think that that's a pretty ugly situation there. Uh, but I, uh, but I don't think this is just unique to Baylor. So this, this is something that needs to stand out and and people need to to look at uh, seriously. Absolutely, ladies and gentlemen, Matthew Tynan, uh, our NBA correspondent, also uh, resident of Texas. So he he is definitely uh, pretty much. I think if you were a resident of Texas. You do know, have to know some things about football. I think it's one of your requirements, kind of like Alabama. Uh, <laughs> absolutely, Matt. Hey, you are an absolute professional, and we sure do appreciate you being on the show. Thank you, guys. And, I enjoyed it. I'll, and, I'll, I'll talk to you all later. Okay, and enjoy your uh, NBA finals, man. Oh, yeah. It'll be fun. Yep. It'll be fun. All right. We'll talk next week. Thanks. Okay, bye-bye. We're going to take a short break on that note, and when we come back, we are going to uh, get into a little bit of NBA discussion and also talk to Will Lockamy. Coming up here a little bit later on, you're listening to the Stingray and Tuck Show. Hey, guys, this is Stingray, host of the Stingray and Tuck Show. Are you tired of Facebook groups with members that constantly attack you about sports? Leave them and come join us at Sports Talk 365, where there will be no attacking. There will be no trolling. There will be no post about racism, politics, or even religion. Just straight sports talk. So if you're interested, come on and join us. You must be 18 or older to join.
welcome back inside the Stingray and Tuck show. And now we are going to get into uh, some of the NBA finals discussion between myself and Landon. Absolutely, and it is going to be a really awesome finals. The Cavaliers uh, back in the finals again with the Warriors. LeBron James in his sixth straight NBA finals. This is going to be one that I think it could be one of the most watched finals ever. I don't know that necessarily the number one most watched ever, but this is a very, very good finals. I think a lot of people... A lot of people are giving the edge to Golden State. Yes, the uh, ESPN BPI, which is the indicator for um, how how much percentage a team is going to win by, it is at the Warriors seventy five percent. And LeBron James had uh, some uh, harsh words for that earlier yesterday. Yeah. yeah. Well, all right, Stephen. Let me let me get your opinion on this. Obviously, Steph Curry has been Steph Curry. Uh, Clay <laughs> Thomas, Clay Thompson rather, has been incredible. Um, going into this series, if you had to predict who wins and in how many games, tell me, tell me that. Warriors win in six. Why so? Uh, because they have home court advantage, and I believe, looking at the schedule, they have the first two at the Oracle Arena, and I think they could easily go up two, not two, Oh, before they go to Cleveland. Absolutely. Uh, because that is a really tough place to play. Yeah, the Oracle, I mean, it's very hard. And you make a good point. Home court advantage is so important in the NBA. It, it is great. And, you know, like we talked about before, off, off air with Stephen M. Smith, um, Kyrie Irving and, and uh, Kyle Kevin. Love, yeah, Kevin Love, they just completely do not shoot well on the road. Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, what, what the Cavaliers did is they went out and they got some three-point shooters from last year. Kevin Love is shooting a lot better. Channing Frye has been huge for them, which whoever thought Channing Frye would be a great deciding factor. Um, and so it's going to be a very interesting series. But, Stephen, I'm going to have to predict this. You might not like it. I'm going to say Cavaliers, and I'm going to say Cavaliers in seven. Wow. I think it's going to be a long series either way. I think Golden State or Cavs, I think it's going to be a long series. I don't think someone's just going to go out and just, just win the game immediately. i, I got to go with LeBron. I mean, LeBron was so – he was unbelievable last year. If, for the, if, if anyone did not see the finals last year, it was unreal. I mean, it was like watching, I don't know, the incredible Hulk put up a performance, but he just he still couldn't win the series overall. Uh, and so he did a great job with points, with rebounds, uh, with scoring, obviously. I'm pretty sure for this series he averaged like 40 and 40, 13, and I don't know, maybe 10 or something like that. But literally averaged a, a triple-double throughout the series. So I think it's going to be a great series. I'm going to say Cavs in seven. Am I crazy, Stephen? I, I don't think so, but I think they're going to – I think the Cavs are going to do basically what the Thunder did. I think they're going to choke. Mm. All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, if you have an opinion, tell us whether the Warriors are the Cavs are going to win, and give us your opinion why on our Facebook page, the Stingray and Tuck Show, or on our Twitter page, at Stingray Tuck. Remember, we do uh, daily and weekly polls about the NBA, NFL, college football, uh, and surrounding sports topics, and so that will definitely be one, Stephen, that we're going to have to put out there. Absolutely, and uh, we're about to now jump into a little bit of sound from both teams as they get ready for the big NBA Finals match game one tomorrow night. But, of course, first, I think we ought to 
hear a little sound from the losing team, unfortunately, in the Western Conference Finals. The Oklahoma City Thunder, Kevin Durant, had a lot to say after the game. And let's start, of course, with his feelings on the overall series and their epic collapse, being up three games to one and then losing the series in Game 7. Uh, you know, it hurts losing. It hurts losing, especially being up three games to one. Um, but, you know, games uh, three and four, you know, they missed the shots that they hit game game six and seven. And, um, you know, that was our plan. I mean, they, they, they started – they beat us from the three-point line the last two games. We beat them everywhere else. They beat us from the three-point line. That was that was the, that was a series. So, um, you know, we, we fought – everybody fought hard every single minute they were on the court. It sucks to lose. It, it sucks. But, uh, you know, it, it, was, it was tough. It was a tough series. It definitely was a tough series for Oklahoma, and it's been a tough year for the Sooner State uh, because the college football team uh, went to the 14 playoffs. They lose in the first round. Then, of course, the basketball team, the Sooners basketball, get to the Final Four in basketball, and then they lose. And then now the Thunder have lost in the Western Conference Finals. So it's been a tough year uh, if you're an Oklahoma fan out there, and uh, here is what Kevin Durant had to say about his overall message to the team after the game. I was just proud of him, proud of him, proud of all the guys, you know, win or lose, you know, proud of everybody for the effort they put in, you know, the, the, the things you guys don't see every day, which is coming in, uh, you know, the hard work they put in, the sacrifice they make for everybody in the organization. I'm just proud, I'm just proud, man. It's, it's a journey, man. And, you know, a lot of people just see the basketball games, but they don't see everything else um, behind the scenes. And that's and I'm proud of the guys for, you know, staying together and, um, you know, continuing to get better by day, day by day, you know, throughout the whole season. So, you know, that's, that was kind of the gist of it. And, of course, right after the loss, the question came up of, Kevin Durant, what is your future with Oklahoma City? It's a, it's a tough question, especially right after you lose. Here was his comments about his future with OKC. I mean, it's, we just lost like 30 minutes ago. So, um, I haven't even thought about it. I'm, I'm just, you know, embracing my teammates, you know, and just reflecting on the season. You know, I think about that stuff, you know, I don't know when, but we just lost an hour ago, 30 minutes ago, so I don't know. And then, of course, the follow-up question was reflecting on the season. You know, they got off to a great start, then they had a rough stretch there in February, and now getting to the Western Conference Finals and then losing like they did, he kind of reflected on it a little bit, and here's what he had to say about the overall season looking back for the Oklahoma City Thunder and how crushing it is that they didn't go and take that next step. Uh. You know, for us, it was you know we wanted to win. The, we wanted to win the whole thing. You know, and I, I think you know there's no moral victories in our locker room after the game. We were all upset. You know, we we wanted to get a chance to play for a, a championship in the finals. You know, so that hurts. But when you sit down and look back at what happened throughout the season, you can be proud of not just the players, but everybody in the organization from the top to the bottom, people that you guys don't even know or ever see um, contribute to what we bring out on that court. And that's just pride. That's just effort, um, passion, love for the game, pure love for the game every single night. And that comes from just walking into our, our practice facility every single day and feeling that 
those vibes and feeling those that energy uh, from everyone. And I'm just proud that with all we've been through this season, you know, we we stuck together and we we sacrificed for each other. And you know, that's just that, that's what makes this game so special. And of course, it will be a very interesting off season to say the least for the Kevin Durant situation and, of course, OKC. Now let's flip over to the team that won the Western Conference Finals and are going back to the finals for the second year in a row. The Golden State Warriors, they were up uh, pretty big uh, there late. And I remember Steph Curry, if you go back and look, he ran into the first row of people and were just kind of really exuberated and, and really excited Here's what he had to say about that moment and, of course, about the overall series as a whole. It was a cool moment just knowing we came back from, well, it was like 20 seconds left and we're up 10, so a little breathing room. Obviously, there's still time on the clock, but that was a moment to kind of just take in the, the atmosphere. Um, we knew it was going to be a dog fight and for us to overcome the early deficit and claw our way back in the way that we did it. With everybody having an impact, bench guys, starters, on the defensive end, obviously we made shots. It was just a uh, a very cool moment to enjoy, you know, that, that fan noise and um, understand we you know, we're on the on the brink of, of of doing something very special and coming back from down three one and um, that was it. He was then asked uh, what he learned about his team when they were pushed to the brink down three to one. And, of course, he said he really didn't learn anything about his team because he knew that they were a very good team and very resilient. Here are Here is the uh, remaining response that he said about that. Uh, actually, nothing. I knew we were ready for the moment. We were a, a mature basketball team that – Tried, you know, our best not to listen to the noise outside. You know, we're you know six, seven days ago, and we're down three-one. Everybody thought the wheels were falling off, and it was kind of end of our our run. But in that locker room, the talk was positive. It was, you know, let's figure this out. Let's let's go out and you know take it one game at a time and claw our way back into the series and see what happens. And we followed that that kind of mindset, you know, in these last three games. And it's it's just you appreciate how how tough it is to get back here. That's that's the one thing I've learned is just you can't take any anything for granted because it's it's such a grind, it's such a battle against a great Thunder team that um, you know pushed us to the brink. So you got to be appreciative of of this accomplishment. Um, and now I look forward to getting four more wins. Now, with every turnaround, there seems to be a turning point that really kind of sparked this comeback. And he feels like, uh, Steph Curry, that is, feels like that it was uh, in the second quarter when they were down on the brink, three to one. Here's his response about the second quarter that turned it all around, that made it possible for them to now be in the finals versus the Cavs. Um, I think that second quarter in Oklahoma City, where we're down double digits, I think, and there's another, there's a, that that same kind of moment where in Game Three and Four we lost control of, of the game, and they pretty much won it. Won you know both those games in that six-minute stretch. We kept it to I think it was five. Um, 
going into halftime and I understood what it was going to take to win. Obviously, Clay and the shots he made down the stretch were huge, but we gave ourselves an opportunity to win that game and keep keep you know stay alive. And um, in that building, it was it was such a hard thing to accomplish. Um, and we found a way to to stay in the game and and uh, keep our composure down the stretch. So that that last six minutes, of the second quarter was was huge. And now that they've come back, now they have to worry about and, and get ready for the Cavaliers tomorrow night, game one in Oakland. And pretty much the Warriors say that they really haven't even thought about the Cavaliers. That could be a problem. Here's what Steph Curry had to say about facing the Cavs. I haven't really thought much about Cleveland. No, no what... Uh, the challenge is going to be, you know, they've been playing well the whole playoff you know, run that they've had. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll obviously game plan and, and get our minds ready for the next challenge. But uh, like I told every single one of my teammates when I saw them in the locker room, like, uh, and, and embrace this, this, this accomplishment, this moment, because of how hard it is to get back here. And, you know, we have 48 hours, you know, starting tomorrow to get ready for game one at home. And uh, we'll have time to do that. And now let's shift over to the East and talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers for a second, the Warriors' opponent. Here is what LeBron James had to say after practice about facing the Warriors in the series. I think everybody knows a lot about them, but it doesn't mean anything. You still got to try to stop them, and that's a tall task. Um, they're a well-oiled machine, uh, obviously well-coached, and got so many great players on their team. So um, it's going to be very challenging for us, and we have to be ready for it. Um, well, they shoot the ball extremely well. I mean, playing Steph is probably the two greatest shooters um, that we've probably ever seen. Um, Obviously, in today's game, they are. And, um, you know, some of the shots, there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, you know, better offense beats great defense any day. I mean, that's just always been the same in basketball. So um, you have to be able to, you know, do other things to stop them. Uh, but it's, it's hard to contain them. I mean, we all know that. The whole league knows that. Our team knows that. But we have a game plan, and we have to follow it and be true to it. Of course, the first two games are in Oakland, and you know there's a lot of hype surrounding this game. And LeBron James says that he really doesn't get into all the hype and the the uh, you know underdog, overdog, or whatever you want to call it. Those are his exact words. There, I'm quoting him. And uh, here's what LeBron James had to say about playing at the Oracle Arena out there in Oakland and getting ready for uh, the game, and of course, shutting out all the hype. No. Nah, I don't really get caught up into that. Um, only thing I, for me is just how well I can get my team prepared mentally and physically and to go out for battle um, because it's going to be a tough, it's going to be a tough test for us, and we know that. You know, going through a building that um, you know to start the series off, and then even when we come back home. So I don't get caught up into all that other stuff. Nothing gets overlooked by that team. They're the defending champions. They do everything well. They rebound, they defend, they share the ball, uh, they move the ball, um, they push the pace, and they shoot it extremely well. So I don't think a, a team that's 73-9 and back-to-back and -back, uh, finals appearances, anything can be overlooked. And 
And, of course, as always, we want to thank OKCThunder.com, Warriors.com, and Cavs.com for allowing us to pull audio here for you guys on the Stingray and Tuck show. And now we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to stop our discussion about the NBA and talk a little college football with Will Lockney. That and a whole lot more coming up on the other side of the break. You're listening to the Stingray and Tuck show. Hey, it's Will Lockamy. You know me as the guy that makes really bad jokes along with my brother on the Paul Feinbaum Show. Luckily, you're not listening to that. You're listening to the Stingray and Tuck Show only on StingrayandTuckShow.com. Welcome back inside the Stingray and Tuck Show. And now we are uh, very pleased to be guest by the one and only Will Lockamy from the Feinbaum Show. What's happening, guys? How are y'all? I'm doing well. How about you? Uh, doing well. Yeah, Everything's we are good. I trying to find stuff to talk about, right? It's that, that time of the year. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Thankfully, Baylor has provided us uh, <laughs> with a little bit of that, uh, along with the NBA. Uh, overall, Will, real quick, what did you think about the Art Bryles firing, and how do you think it uh, hurts Baylor going forward in the Big Twelve? Well, it, it devastates them going forward. I mean, Art Bryles has been that program. Obviously, if you look before he got there, I mean, Baylor really was not a factor at all in the Big 12. I have to admit, I haven't read the report just because, you know, I'm not a journalist. I'm not going to go that deep into whatever. So so what I've heard about the report is, is simply that. It's hearsay. But what you hear about the report is pretty damning. I mean, it's one of those things like beforehand when everything was building up and they let Ken Starr go, I thought, well, I really, I wonder what these guys did or if they're just going to have to take the fall you know, for what has happened. But it looks like this does kind of go, you know, up the chain of command. And I think the thing that really convinced me was hearing Kirk Herbstreet talk, which for whatever reason, I've just always been a huge Herbstreet fan and kind of, you know, cling on to every word of his. (laughs) And so for him to come out and say what he said about his experience there and what he saw at Baylor, that totally convinced me. But, I mean, look, honestly, everybody's abandoning the school at this point. They're going to have to start from scratch, you know, assuming they can get another good coach, which maybe they can at this point. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's nothing short of devastating for them. Yeah, and, you know, obviously that's going to be really big for Baylor going forward. Um, and in, in our own conference, in the SEC, with Ole Miss, we kind of have uh, – and there, really there's a lot of talk. There's not a whole lot of action. But Ole Miss, as you saw the other day, kind of self-sanctioned. Uh, and it was sure. 11 scholarships over four years. Uh, Will, where, where do you sit with that? Is that enough? Is that fair? Uh, and, and also, this is without the Laramie Tunsil case, okay? So none of that was involved along with this. What do you? What is your kind of thoughts on that? Uh, it's a very smart move by Ole Miss because obviously that's not a huge penalty. And with the way that they've been recruiting, be it legal or not, they have, <laughs> they have a good team and they still have good recruits that are committed. So, I mean, that's not going to affect them, 11 scholarships over four years. And, you know, the NCAA, again, I told you guys last time, like, I don't think they have a lot of power right now. So if Ole Miss is going to do this, it's tough for me to see unless something else comes out, uh, unless, you know, the Tunzel stuff finally starts really rolling. I just don't see the NCAA coming in and doing much more. So it's a good move by Ole Miss. Uh, fair or not, eh, I, don't, I don't know about that. Again, I'm not a guy that reads reports. So. Yeah, and 
obviously that that's kind of interesting. And then really, Ole Miss and Alabama have kind of had this big rivalry over the past you know two years. And what's really funny is uh, Alabama really. I don't even think they acknowledged Ole Miss was a part of the conference until Ole Miss beat them two years in a row. And now all of a sudden they've gone back and forth. But going to Alabama uh, with obviously Cam, the Cam Robinson and Hootie Jones situation, um, what does Alabama do with Cam Robinson if the allegations are, are all true? Um, you know, it appears they are. I, I haven't heard that anything's going to change. I think this is the funny thing about Saban because, you know, He's the meanest coach. I mean, he's the guy that yesterday's yelling at people in a press conference down in Dustin, and he's, he's mean, 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 Mr. Bad Guy. But, man, is there anybody more lenient on players as far as this stuff goes? And I'm not necessarily saying that's a bad thing. Uh, he clearly has found a way to handle players and get these kids on the right track. And him saying all these second and third chances, I mean, people scoff at it because a lot of other schools don't give that. But at the same time, like, he usually ends up being right. I mean, a lot of times these kids do end up actually contributing to society. So, you know, I think Nick may not be far off on this. And, I mean, if Cameron Robinson gets another chance, I mean, this is a felony. We're not talking about, you know, a dusting of marijuana somewhere in the car. Yeah. And a ticket. I mean, this is a serious thing. So if he gets a second chance and ends up playing and playing right off the bat, which he could, we don't know, he could. Um, I mean, it's going to be unprecedented because, you know, you have Nick Marshall last year, and that's what it was. It was a ticket. It was just a simple ticket. He had, you know, a trace amount of marijuana in the car. And, of course, people were calling for his, you know, half a year suspension, uh, which is just a completely different arrest than what we're dealing with Cam Robinson. So if, if Nick goes with the, you know, second chances here, but, of course, same time, like, if these charges stick, he may not have a choice. A felony is a felony. I mean, Cam Robinson may end up doing some time on this. Absolutely. And staying in the SEC, uh, were you surprised by the news of Rock Thomas transferring from Auburn? And the second part of that question is, how does it affect Auburn moving forward in 2016? Uh, I wasn't crazy surprised just based on the fact that, you know, Rock had tweeted over the last year, right? He, I mean, he just every now and then would tweet stuff, which, by the way, goes back to I can't believe that these coaches, you know, let these guys have Twitter accounts and just tweet all this ridiculous <laughs> stuff all the time. The yeah. so Rockets had done that throughout the year, and um, I don't know. I, I kind of always thought baloney on it, but as soon as I heard that it was going to happen, I was like, yeah, well, whatever. And especially because pretty clear that Rock Thomas, even though he was the five-star recruit coming in, he's third on the death chart right now. And so he was going to be, you know, kind of that slide out back. I mean, he can catch the ball, although he did fumble it 50% of the time. But he wasn't going to be the feature back. And I think this is a kid who has just always thought he's going to be in the NFL. And once he realized, oh, wait, I'm the third guy on the depth chart, you know, think about him going to Jack State. All of a sudden he is easily the first guy and is going to get all the rushes and be able to build those numbers up. So maybe not a bad move for him. Um, I don't think it's devastating for Auburn. I think a lot of you know, I've read a lot of people saying it is. But, again, this is just a guy that's going to play the role that Carrion played last year and just every now and then kind of be put in in certain situations, be a return guy. So, I mean, there are other guys on that team that can do that. So I think it's, you know, a bigger deal for Rock than it is for Auburn. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, Auburn does have talent, and Rock Johnson being a five-star back, 
uh, definitely had some talent. So we'll see uh, in the future what will happen there. We're going to take a short break. Whenever we come back, we're going to play a little game we like to call What's More Likely with Will Wathamie from the Paul Bob Show. Stay tuned. Hey, MSU fans and alumni, this is Landon Tucker from the Stingray and Tuck Show. Look, Cowbell Clothing has awesome cowbell embroidered polos and t-shirts. They also have caps and unique cowbell logo items such as belts, bags. They even have pet accessories. All you have to do is go to cowbellclothing.com and get yours today. Alrighty, welcome back in to the Stingray and Tuck Show. Uh, we still have on the Stingray and Tuck Show hotline, Will Lockme uh, from the Paul Feinbaum Show. Will, are you ready to play some What's More Likely? I can't wait. <laughs> All right, let's do it. All right, Will, what's more likely, South Carolina winning seven games in Will Muschamp's first year or Mississippi State winning nine-plus in this upcoming season? Uh, I think – sorry, Stinger. I think That's uh, okay. I'm going to have to go South Carolina here because, you know, obviously what we talked about last time I was on what Mississippi State has in front of them. First of all, just being in the West and what they've lost and how important Zach was to that team – but South Carolina, I mean, they're depleted, but they're not completely depleted. And we saw what a semi-depleted team can do with new energy when Gus Malzahn first got to Auburn. I mean, he basically didn't change personnel. He just simply changed the attitude, and they went to the national championship game. So I think with an attitude change there at South Carolina, that team could pretty easily win seven games. you got to think, you know, six games is just kind of beating your – you know, weak opponents, and then maybe one or two others. So I think they can do that, no doubt. All right. Will, what's more likely, Auburn's Gus Malzahn gets fired first or Kevin Sumlin? Hmm. (laughs) Two guys that I like, by the way. Um, And I'm I'm closer to the Malzahn situation. The Sumlin, I just cannot figure it out. I don't know what's going on here. You know, as far as these quarterbacks not staying and then assistant coaches, you know, running crazy. I want to say because seemingly his lack of control of assistant coaches, I'm going to go with someone on this. With that said, listen, Gus does not have a long leash this year at all. If he does not turn around and at least compete, I mean, losing a game is not a big deal. It's losing a game by a lot of points and then also putting out, you know, a quarterback that everybody thinks is going to win the Heisman and the guy just completely falling on his face. So, I mean, if John Franklin III comes in there and they at least can compete and make the offense do something, I think Gus has a chance to stick around and get another year. Someone, uh, if something big didn't happen and he didn't control one of his players and, and two of his assistant coaches, I think someone could be on his way out. All right. And then, Will, what's more likely? The SEC wins another national title or wins back-to-back national titles or the SEC gets left out of the college football playoff completely? Ooh, I, I think definitely more likely that the SEC wins another title. I mean, at this point, it's got to be. I mean, you've got to have a bunch of two-loss teams and maybe three losses for the SEC to be left out. You know, one loss is not a huge thing. In fact, you know, last year when Alabama lost to Miss, I said, I was like, well, that's the best thing that could possibly happen to them. It's kind of early in the season. Now the players will rally around everybody, and they'll go on. Uh, you know, maybe need somebody else to fall, but obviously that's going to happen. So I, it's got to be a crazy scenario for the SEC to be left out. Um, you know, I'm generally wrong about this, so I'm sure that's how it'll go. But I, I, I see 
Who's saying Alabama's not going to win it? I mean, what, what, who, how crazy do you have to be to at this point <laughs> count Alabama out? All righty. Well, I guess you kind of kind of use that wisdom for this next one. Will, what's more likely, Deshaun Watson wins the Heisman for Clemson or Alabama wins back-to-back national championships? Yeah, no, that's Alabama. Um, <laughs> Deshaun Watson is a fantastic player. There's no question about it. He's amazing. But Clemson's going to get back to their old ways. They're going to Clemson at some point. And when they decide to finally Clemson, Deshaun Watson's going to be one that pays the price. And, of course, I predict he will have – some some point during the stretch of a bad game, they'll end up Clemsoning, and then um, his chances are gone. And of course, like I said before, who in the world would possibly count Alabama out at this point? I know, yeah, the, the, both questions just kind of seem to sink right in between each other. All righty, and will what's more likely, the Lockamy brothers start their own radio show, or the Stingray and Tuck show gets moved to ESPN? Um, I think there's no question. Are you guys not already on ESPN? No, we are. Yeah, not not at the moment, unfortunately. But uh, uh, that's what we were doing here. Okay. Uh, no, well, if not, then definitely Stingray and Tuck going to ESPN. Um, <laughs> look, we we've got a radio show already, and the, and just you know, I think pretty much our parents are the only people that listen to it. Uh, evidence <laughs> right here. So so yeah, no question. You guys are on your way up, and we're just kind of still floating around, praying not to be fired. Oh, go give me a break! Come on. <laughs> All right, and finally, here's a here's a fun question. Um, we've kind of gone back and forth on this. Uh, do you follow the NBA at all? You know, I don't. Uh, now, I assume you're wrong. I do now know what's going on and watch games and stuff like that, but I don't, like, diligently follow it throughout right. the year. So I definitely know, you know, when we're coming up here with the Warriors and, and the Cavaliers, and it's actually going to be something I'll pay attention to, which is crazy for me to say about the NBA. Right. Who do you have winning, Will? I don't know how you can go against Golden State here. I mean, you know, you saw what just happened in games six and seven. So, I mean, this is a team of destiny at this point. For them to fall, I mean, I'd be shocked. It would take it would take a major injury or two. I think if you know, uh, Curry, both of his knees are going to have to go out now. For <laughs> Absolutely. So, so you're picking against LeBron James? Am I correct? I am, yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, LeBron's obviously amazing, but this has been the year of the Warriors, and I don't see that changing at this point. Well, unfortunately for you, Will, we actually have LeBron on the other line. LeBron, what are you – no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> Will, Will Lock, me an ultimate ultimate professional, uh, obviously a very humorous guy. Uh, knows knows a little bit about the NBA, at least knows, knows what's going on, and that's awesome. Uh, Will, we sure do appreciate you coming on the Stingray and Tuck Show. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. Well, on that note, we're going to take a very short break, and when we come back, we're going to continue with what's more likely between Stingray and Landon. This is Stephen M. Smith of Touchdown Alabama Magazine. And when I'm not watching football, look at the newspaper, or drinking some coffee, I'm listening to the Stingray and Tuck Show, only on StingrayandTuckShow.com. Welcome back inside the Stingray and Tuck Show. And now we are about to get into uh, one of my favorite segments, What's More Likely?, uh, what's more likely, if you are new around here, is a game we play where basically I give Steven two different scenarios. He chooses one of those scenarios and then gives me the answer why he chose that. All sports-related questions. Um, all right. 
Steve, you ready for some once more likely? Mm-hmm. All right. Let's do it. All righty, Steven. What's more likely? LeBron James wins his third NBA championship this season against the Golden State Warriors. Or Deshaun Watson and Clemson win their first national title? <laughs> I'm going to go Clemson winning their first title just simply because how can you go against the Warriors? I mean, they are just – they seem like a team of destiny. Ever. I mean, especially after the way that they won uh, – and faced elimination against the Thunder and won three straight. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, it, it's a very, very interesting series that it's going to be. Uh, but it'll be, that's an interesting pick, though. I'm, I'm going to be very interested to see how Clemson and Deshaun Watson yes. get this season. All right, Stephen, what's more likely? Jeffrey Simmons of Mississippi State plays first or Cam Robinson plays first? Now, before you get into that, let me just explain to the people. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons, if you have not heard, uh, has a video. Uh, we'll call it alleged, even though the video is very simple and what happens. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons kind of alleged uh, for assault against a female. Uh, Cam Robinson was arrested for uh, possession of marijuana and also possession of uh, illegal possession of a firearm. So, which one of those two guys plays first, even, and why? Jeez. Um, yeah. I'm going to say Cam Robinson. I mean, how could you not? I mean, he's playing for Alabama, so I, I just think that, you know, even though uh, illegal firearm and marijuana, I still think that's uh, less than assaulting a woman, so I'll say Cam Robinson on that one. So you think you think Alabama will be more be more lenient, and regardless of the punishment for either of these two, you think Cam Robinson will be first? Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I, think, I think he will play probably week two or week three for Alabama. Who knows about Jeffrey Simmons? All right, Stephen, what's more likely? Kevin Durant goes to a different team or LeBron James goes to a different team? And let me kind of clarify, Durant has been rumored to leave OKC for really quite some time now. And now this season he has an opportunity. LeBron James, uh, that, that's something that's been rumored really since he arrived at Cleveland is how long will he stay in Cleveland? Will he get frustrated in his championship chasing? What do you think, Stephen? Um, I, I think it's LeBron leaves because he's a crybaby. Uh, he did it before uh, when Cleveland uh, had to go to Miami, had to stack an entire team to win a championship. I mean, if you got to stack a team, you're not really the king, as they call him. So, you know, I'm going to say crybaby James. LeBron James is first. All right. Stephen, what's more likely? As you can tell, I'm not a LeBron James fan. <laughs> You're going to like this one. This is going to be interesting. Okay. Steven, what's more likely? Dan Mullen leaves Mississippi State, Ooh. whether he resigns, whether he changes jobs, fired, whatever, or Hugh Freeze live, leaves Ole Miss. And let me clarify to the people, obviously oh, Ole Miss gosh. is in kind of a recruiting issue right now, and people are alleged that uh, Freeze allowed a lot of illegal activity to go on as far as recruiting players. Uh, and then on the Mississippi State side, you have the Jeffrey Simmons situation. You also have the situation of is Mississippi State not going to win enough games over the next two years to where they fire Dan Mullen? Um, S- Stephen, tell me what you think. Hey, bud, let me tell you, I have a uh, reputation to uphold with Mississippi State fans, so I'm telling you right now, I am not touching that question with a 10-foot pole. All right, well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Stingray and Tuck Show. We hope you've enjoyed it. Of course, we want to thank Matt Tynan for coming on, and of course, Will Lockamy, and for those of you keeping score at home, Matt Tynan, 
Will Lockamy and myself all picked the Warriors to win the NBA Finals. Landon, of course, picked the Cavaliers. So that's three for the Warriors, one for the Cavaliers. And uh, on next week's show, we will be sure and talk about the NBA Finals. Plus, we will continue our discussion with college football as we will have another representative on, hopefully, from another conference as we continue to push forward towards the first week of college football. So we hope you've enjoyed it. Enjoy your NBA Finals and have a great week, weekend, and we'll see you on the show once again next week on Tuesday. We'll be back on regular schedule then. I'm Stingray, here for the Stingray and Tuck Show.